this is on the mat and in the ring with coco i'm your host coco and you guys we are back we are here to talk about wrestlemania backlash and let me tell you guys i <laughs> i i got a couple other things to talk about so we just gonna dive right in because baby it's it's been some stuff going on and i think we need to kind of brush up on a couple things so as you guys know, uh, WrestleMania backlash, boom, right after WrestleMania. Um, just one thing to start off with. I am like so annoyed that WWE cannot seem to keep these pay-per-views in the order and can't seem to stick to what pay-per-view they want to have. Like, I'm just so frustrated with it because as if anybody knows, you know, I grew up during the Attitude Era, so Backlash was, you know, one of the normal pay-per-views for me. So, I think when they they stopped Backlash and like, I want to say maybe 2009 or something like that, and then it came back again for a few years and it went away again. Like, they've, they've done away with Backlash a couple times and brought it back. So, um, it's just a little frustrating that they can't seem to figure out what they want to do with these pay-per-views. I need them to figure that out. Um, but this uh, this pay-per-view was, it was actually, uh, you know, besides a couple of matches, it was honestly a solid pay-per-view. Um, there was six matches. Honestly, we could have did without two of these matches, to be completely honest. Like, they could have found a way to replace them two matches with two other matches because they were just not needed, in my opinion. But... Um, I'm just going to do it a little different. I'm going to start off, um, one of the matches. I'm not going to do it in order this time. So, uh, Mad Cat Moss and Happy Corbin had a singles match. I honestly did not care. I didn't even watch the match. Like, sometimes I'll just put the TV on mute if it's like a match I don't want to watch. And I'll just do other stuff until, like, I see the match is over. But I didn't even want to do that. I didn't even want to give this match my Nielsen rating. I literally turned it off, left it on the Peacock home screen, and just went in the kitchen and did a couple things. And I checked in. Like, I honestly, I figured this was not going to be a long match. I said, okay. I said, including the interests and everything. I said, this is probably going to be like a 12-minute ordeal. And so... I went back, checked in. I was definitely right. Mad Cat Moss defeated Happy Corbin by pinfall. Who cares? I don't like either one of them, so let's move on. This one was a little bit harder for me to feel that type of way about, but I still didn't care about the match because it's like almost in Bobby Lashley. Like, there was no real, real buildup. Like, there was the start of a buildup, but it's like they did it. They started it so late that it just honestly felt pointless to me. Bobby Lashley, in my opinion, is a main event player. I feel like if they would have booked him more properly over the last few years, um, he he would have a little bit more steam behind him. And, you know, he would be able to have opportunities for other matches that would make more sense. Like, I get where they were coming from with the whole MVP turning on him thing. And then, of course, because I'm almost his MVP's new client. Like, I get where they were going. I get what they were trying to do. Keyword there is trying. Did they succeed in my opinion? Hell no. Same same thing with that. I felt the same type of way about that match. I'm like, okay, including the interest, this is probably going to be a 10-12 minute ordeal. Again, I was right. Almost ended up defeating Bobby Lashley via pinfall. We're just going to move on. 
So the next match I want to talk about, and this is this is intriguing because this is a match that people talked about. And people like did fantasy bookings on like, you know, IG and, you know, Twitter and all that. And, you know, maybe even Facebook. Like I don't, you know, check all that type of stuff on Facebook. I use more of my IG for that. But, um, you know, honestly, just very, very, very strange situation here because, again, before Edge came back, it was one of those things where people were like, man, I mean, I myself was thinking like, man, it would have been good to see him and Edge, you know, go against each other. And even my brother, you know, said the same thing. And to finally get the opportunity to see it. And, you know, it's just like this buildup. It's honestly one of them things. And it's, it's rare that you will hear people say this. It's one of those things that didn't really need a buildup because it was already something in the minds of people that they wanted to see for so long. So it was just kind of like, okay, we have the opportunity. Like, let's, like, let's do this. Like, let's make this happen. Let's see what this is about. So it was definitely, um, no buildup needed and it's so rare that you don't need buildup for something but it was definitely one of those situations and um I definitely I definitely was intrigued to see how this would go I wasn't a fan of the match they had at Wrestlemania I sincerely was not it just it wasn't a lot of chemistry for me it just kind of seemed like something they threw together backstage like hey they should go against each other like it just didn't seem organic so that was my problem with their Wrestlemania match um it just didn't come off organically and by this time which is you know a little over a month later here at Wrestlemania Backlash (laughs) There's more of a buildup, but there's this sense of, okay, well, you guys didn't tear down the house at WrestleMania, so now you kind of have to, you know, uh, step it up some. And that's definitely how I felt here. Um, As you guys know, on Monday Night Raw, AJ Styles had a match with Damian Priest, and if AJ won, Damian would be barred from ringside. Um. I almost said Damian Priest. <laughs> AJ Styles, um, AJ Styles ended up winning the match, so Damian Priest was banned from ringside. Um, as you guys know, on Raw, as soon as AJ won the match, Edge jumped in the ring. Him and Damian started attacking AJ. Finn Balor ended up coming out to, you know, rescue him. Well, I don't want to say rescue, you know, to aid him and. I mean, for me, it was like, I was such a mark in this moment. I was such a mark because I love the work AJ did in New Japan. I didn't really follow him too much in TNA. Like, my brother was always like, oh, AJ this and AJ that. And I had watched, you know, some things of him in TNA. And I just never, as a whole, really got into TNA, which is now Impact Wrestling, as you guys know. Um, But I preferred his work in Japan over what he had been doing in TNA. I just felt like TNA didn't give him enough as far as, um, like, outside of what he did in the ring. Let me say it like that. Outside of what he did in the ring, I feel like TNA didn't give him enough. Like, I feel like it wasn't enough creative. I feel like there wasn't enough, uh, 
you know, the promos weren't as good. Um, AJ, I wouldn't say is the best on promos. Like, he can do some really good promos, but a lot of his promos do come off dry sometimes. And it's like, you know, especially when you're doing promos, like, you really want to get that crowd reaction. A lot of times, it's like almost crickets when he does some of his promos, which happens to a lot of people. So, it's not necessarily a big deal, but overall, um... AJ ended up losing a match because a hooded figure in all black ended up pushing him off the top rope. So, of course, Edge got the one up and uh, the hooded figure ended up being Rhea Ripley. Now, while I was watching this, as soon as I saw this, I busted out laughing. Like, I had, I was having me some wine, you know, eating, you know, I always, you know, do my little routine when I watch, you know, the, the pay-per-views. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, you know, as Vince likes to call them now, the premium, uh, the premium events and everything um and I just remember laughing so hard because as soon as I saw this hooded figure the first thing I said I said that's Rhea Ripley <laughs> as soon as I saw this person pop up on camera I said this is Rhea Ripley I said it's nobody other than Rhea Ripley for one it's like nobody else wears those pants for two, her height and her her size her size it was a dead giveaway it's just, and it was mainly the pants. We saw the pants. It was a dead giveaway, honey. On top of the fact that they had just turned her heel against Liv. So it was a dead giveaway, baby. But what I was not expecting was that Rhea had the black hair, which looks really good on her. Oh my God. Like that black hair looks amazing on her. So she has now joined the Edge faction known as Judgment Day. Um... Honestly, I wish they would have picked a better name. Like, doesn't really roll off the tongue too well as a faction name. It's just, you know, but it is what it is. Like, now all factions have a good name. So, I mean, it is what it is sometimes. But I really believe they can do something really good with this faction. We'll just have to wait and see. Um, But overall, with this match, uh, it was better than the WrestleMania match, in my opinion. But it still wasn't as organic as I would have liked it to be in that I believe we were all expecting this whole time you know if they had ever got the chance to go against each other so the fact that this is the second time and it's still not coming off like just fluid and organic and just seamless is a problem for me um so maybe next time I'm I'm sure we'll get another match uh from them at the next pay-per-view which is hell in a cell so we'll we'll have to see um Ronda Rousey and Charlotte Fair for the in an I quit match for the SmackDown Women's Championship. I definitely was waiting to see this match. My best friend, she doesn't really watch wrestling, but she'll she'll watch certain stuff like with me. Like when I go to the live events, well, I don't really go much to the regular like like the house shows. I don't go much to the house shows. Like I will every now and then, but I primarily go to like Raw and SmackDown. Like that's normally what I do. She normally goes with me. Like, there's certain people that she likes, and she'll, like, ask, like, hey, like, have they been doing anything lately? Like, what story? Like, she'll keep, she'll, you know, ask me uh, what's going on to keep up with certain people. And she's a fan of Rhonda's. I remember um, a few years back when Rhonda first uh, debuted at the uh, the first ever Women's Royal Rumble back in 2018, you know, right after uh, Asuka was the winner. I remember, <laughs> and I, this is so funny. She was just like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. She was like, oh, my God. Are you kidding me? She was like, if she's going to be on here, she said, I am going to have to watch this. Is she going to be on here? And I told her, I said, well, I said, I don't really know much now what's going on. I said, I guess we'll have to find out. 
Uh, so my my friend, she she did watch uh she did watch WrestleMania. Uh, the Ronda and Charlotte match was what she was primarily excited about. More about Ronda having the match. Uh, she's just like me, not a Charlotte fan at all. And um, honestly, I was very disappointed in the match that Charlotte and Ronda had at WrestleMania. It just it again it was it wasn't fluid. It wasn't organic. Like it it was just very odd it was just a lot of mistakes and it was just like little stuff that you could notice like if you if you're one of those people that just notice every little thing like me you'll be like oh that was like you could tell they weren't going for that or oh you could tell that was like ill-timed or it was just like just little stuff it was that that match at WrestleMania for them was like rough around the edges for sure I was very disappointed in that match um so I was hoping that this one was going to be better, which, in my opinion, this match was definitely better. Um, it still didn't 100% have me like, oh, my God, this was a great freaking match. Um, Becky Lynch said had an interview um, with Ariel, uh, with Ariel uh, right before WrestleMania. And she made a very good point as much as I hate to say this. Well, I, I'm not saying that as I don't like Becky because I love Becky. I'm saying that I hate to say this in the sense of I don't like saying anything negative against Ronda because I've always loved Ronda. I follow her since her since her amateur, uh, amateur MMA career. So I've always been a fan of hers. But Becky made a point like it's like Ronda lost a step. Like maybe she needed a bit more time before she came back and that's kind of how I feel too, because it's it's like she's she's lost the stuff for sure. Like she's not as aggressive, she's not as sharp and clean as she was, and you know it's just she's not as quick. Like she definitely has lost the stuff for sure. I mean, Rhonda's still badass for sure, but she's certainly lost the stuff, and you can you can see it. You can definitely see it. Um, so I'm just hoping she can get back to that level. Uh, Rhonda did end up winning the match. Uh, she made Charlotte say, uh, I quit. And again, it was a, it was a good match, but I just would have liked it to be a great match. Cause Rhonda always gave us a great match. Even if it was fairly short, it was usually a pretty good match. And this just hasn't lived up to the work that she did during her initial run with the company. So I'm just hoping to see that original run Rhonda come back really really soon but congrats to Rhonda very happy for her um just can't wait to see what she's gonna do on Smackdown so I'm excited to find out about that um I don't know which one to do next oh my gosh uh because <laughs> oh my god these last two matches like that I'm gonna talk about I was geeked for both of these um Okay, I'll start here. So, the Bloodline, Roman Reigns, the Tribal Chief, head of the table, and the Usos, Jimmy and Jay, were in a six-man tag against RK Bro, Randy Orton, and Riddle, along with Drew McIntyre. I was so annoyed about this whole thing for the simple fact that they they hyped up this unification match for the tag team titles. Then, at the last minute, it's, okay, we're going to do a six-man tag. And then, you know, you start, I started seeing the stuff floating around online saying that, you know, the company never had intentions to unify the tag titles. So I'm just like, well, okay, why even do the build up? Like, this is the type of stuff that makes people want to go watch AEW and makes people say, oh, AEW is better. Honestly, AEW is not really better, but that's a whole nother situation. We'll get into that at a different time. But, uh, 
it was definitely one of those things where it was like, it was a waste of time. It was a waste of creative. It was a waste of storytelling. It was a waste of interests. It was a, a, a waste of pyro. It, it was just a, a, a waste of so many resources and so many different types of aspects to even build this up over the course of those few weeks. Just to turn around and do something, just to turn around and do what they originally basically planned on doing, was doing a six-man tag. So that really pissed me off. Um, but <clears throat> I will admit, I will admit this match was about, uh, about almost 23 minutes, I believe. Uh, the match was actually really good. Um, I just, I don't like Drew McIntyre. It just, he just threw the whole thing off for me. Like, I don't like his character. Like, okay, let me not say I don't like his character. For me, he's not believable enough. His mic skills are trash. Like, this whole, this Angela sort of thing, weak, just weak, just weak. And it's not safe. Like, when I was watching SmackDown on Friday and they had that match and Jimmy on, like, Jimmy had, like, kind of flew over and was, like, hitting the, like, was hitting the post. And they had, like, you know, Drew keeps his sword, like, on a little, in a little satchel, you know, that's tied to the ring post. And I was just like, oh my God, like if Jimmy was like a few extra inches over it, he would have hit his, like probably hit his eye or something like on the handle with that sword. Like that's just super dangerous. I think they just need to take that away. Um, if not take it away, they probably just need to get a fake sword because clearly this is a real sword because he cut the ropes with it a few weeks back. And it's it's just dangerous. It's it's just dangerous. It's not it's just not okay in my opinion. Um I just don't like Drew. There's nothing special about him in in my opinion. Um uh, it's like his 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 character it's it's a decent character, but there's nothing special about it. His, his I would probably be more into it if his mic skills weren't trash. And that's like the main thing for me. His mic skills are just trash and I can never, be, I never believe anything he says. I never believe anything he says. Like his mic skills are just trash. Like for me, I do not see how he connects with any of the fans. I feel like the only reason why there appears to be a connection with the fans is because usually whoever he's going against is usually somebody that the fans don't like. So of course he's going to be the the odds on favorite, you know? So I, for me, that's how I look at it. But He's definitely not over. He's he's not over, in my opinion. Uh, and he, yeah, man, I'm not gonna waste all this time talking about Drew. The point being was, it was a really, really good match. Like there, there was a lot of action going on here, and it was so, it was so seamless and organic, and it was a couple little funny moments that had me laughing. Like, oh, okay, they cute. They did this. Like, it was really, really good, and. Honestly, I just was not expecting it because, you know, we hadn't really, you know, we've seen RK bro. They, we know they gel well and everything. We know the bloodline gels perfectly, but throwing Drew in there and I just didn't see how that was going to work. I mean, it ended up working out, but I mean, of course the bloodline came out victorious as they always do. Love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. It's just, I honestly can't get over how good that match was. Like that was honestly way better than I expected um it was a couple of little things I would have did different but overall it was a good match uh and then the match I really want to talk about is really the only one I'm not gonna say the only one I cared about because that's not true but it was the main one I cared about 
Cody Rhodes and Seth freaking Rollins in a singles match. So as Seth Rollins said, Rollins versus Rhodes part two. So as we all know, Cody Rhodes made his somewhat surprising and very triumphant return at WrestleMania this year about a little over 30 days ago. I want to say at this point, maybe like 40, 42 days ago. Can't be exact. I'm not looking at a calendar. Uh, but man, you talk about a match, like Jesus Christ. Like, okay, wait, so maybe 38 days ago. Now that I don't think about it, because even though I'm not looking at the calendar, I'm thinking about it. I think WrestleMania was actually 38 days ago. But the point being, uh, you know, they had this like light buildup and honestly, I had no issue with their buildup. The only issue with their buildup that I really had to be completely honest is right before the Monday, right before the pay-per-view when <laughs> on Seth Rollins appreciation night. And I hope you guys caught the air quotes, uh, you know, during that whole thing, you know, when Cody came out, you know, Seth made comments about Dusty and it's just like, we get that it's entertainment. We get that. I understand that sometimes you have these stories where people beat the hell out of each other right before a pay-per-view. And then sometimes like they'll let them fight a little bit, but not too much. This is one of those situations where it didn't go far enough. Given how everybody knows how Cody feels about his dad and, you know, their family legacy and everything, I feel like in this particular moment, I feel like it shouldn't have just been, though, okay, we're going to scrap it out for like this minute and a half, two minutes, and then I'm going to hit you with the Cody cutter, and then you take the bump, and then you're just like, you're running scared. I feel like it should have been an actual like bra like it should have turned into like an actual like Cody trying to rip him limb from limb type thing I felt like that would have made a little bit more sense but like just doing it the way they did it kind of threw it off a little bit but I mean for the match to turn out the way it did I'll take that because it was an it was a it was a great match it was Oh, man, I've honestly been on a high since Cody came back. I followed Cody's career for years. And anybody who, you know, you know, knows me and talks about wrestling with me and mainly my brother, he's really like the only one that knows for real, for real, because some of my other friends will talk about it, but won't get like all deep into it like I do. But mainly my brother, um, man, I re- I'll never forget when Cody first turned to Stardust, I was so confused. And I was like, what the hell? Like, what is going on here? And I recently watched the Stone Cold Sessions he did, which was amazing, by the way. You guys have to watch it. It was amazing. Only thing, I wish they would have talked about more of what he did on the independent scene. I wish they would have shown some clips from that. They probably couldn't have because of maybe ownership, copywriting or something like that. Who knows? But I wish they would have shown some of his like independent like stuff like from like Defy or what culture wrestling and you know stuff like that um I wish they would have showed um some of the new Japan stuff because he did a lot of great work when he was going from WWE um but the point being is um this was like I've been on such a high since he's came come back because when he first left like I was hurt I was so hurt because I've always had a crush on Cody from the moment I first saw him. I was just like, oh, my God, he's so handsome. Like, and, you know, I watched him in the ring and I was just like, man, like I could just see it. I was like, he got so much potential. Like he was a little rough around the edges to start. 
And he slow, like, I mean, even in his own words, in his own words, he wasn't ready then. But I knew he had the potential to get to where he is now and even be more than where he is now. Like, I just know he has it in him. And I had so much faith in him. And I remember when he, uh, you know, we saw the thing on social media when, you know, it, you know, he said he was no longer with the company. I just remember thinking like, what the hell? And I just, oh my God, I was so upset because of course I'm, you know, just like, oh, why, like, why would they treat him like this? And, you know, they got a star and they don't realize it. And I was just so upset. And it's it, it's extremely hard for me to follow the independent stuff. So I always wasn't a hundred percent caught up with what he was doing, like on the independence. Um, I remember when he joined the Bullet Club. I remember um, him and Kurt Angle having a few matches. I remember him, you know, uh, having a match with Ricochet. I remember a lot of stuff. But it's a lot of other stuff that I miss because for me, I'm just always ripping and running, doing something. You know, whether it's running errands or just, you know, trying to hang out with my friends or being mom, you know, is uh, I don't have a lot of time uh, to keep up with certain things. And it was really hard for me to keep up with the independent stuff, because, again, that's not that's never really been my thing. That's just my brother's more of the I like to call the three the 360 wrestler. He wrestling fan, I should say he He's up on everything. He knows what's going on in New Japan. He knows what's going on in TNA. He knows what's going on in WWE. He knows what's going on this independent, this independent, this independent. He's put me up on a lot of people. He put me up on AJ Styles, Shinsuke Nakamura. Uh, uh, was it Okada he first told me about? Or was it Tensi? Or I can't remember. But my brother's... Uh, Kevin Owens. Like My brother's put me up on a lot of people. Um, and he's been right about every single one, to be honest. As much as I hate to say he was right about something. But the point being... Oh, man. Cody and Seth's match at WrestleMania. I'll never forget. You know, I was pissed at Chris Jericho. I remember I mentioned this last episode. I was pissed at Chris Jericho for saying on his podcast that he knew Cody had signed with WWE. I'm still very upset about that because it's like, where the F do you get off telling somebody else's business? Like, clearly he hadn't said anything on the internet. So my whole thing is, where do you get off telling somebody's business? So you pretty much ruined the, so the, uh, the, the appeal of the surprise. I mean, of course, there was other stories like floating around that started making people second guess it. But it's like you just totally effed it up because you being spiteful. And that's honestly, I felt like he did it out of spite, to be completely honest. I could be wrong, but just the way it came off, I felt like he did it out of spite or out of bitterness. Like it just came out of, you know, some type of malicious, you know, malicious. It just came, it just came from a negative place, is my point, in my opinion. Because if you really. Even if you didn't care about him as a friend, even if you respected him as a person, you wouldn't have been talking about his business when you saw he wasn't talking about it. So that's what aggravated me with that. Um, but, you know, when the lights went out and then they, the pyro goes up the red and I'm like, OK, I said, I don't hear no music. What's going on? And then as soon as I heard that wrestling has more than one, I said, oh, shit, it's Cody. I said, oh, shit. Like, I was so, I'm not even going to lie. I was so excited. I almost peed on myself. I was so freaking <laughs> Like, I was just like, yes, like for me, it was a dream come true because honestly, I'm going to be completely honest here. One reason why I didn't, I couldn't keep up with a lot of stuff he was doing when he left WWE is a part of me didn't want to. 
uh, it was like I was divided. I was half and half. Like a part of me wanted to follow everything he did to support him. And then a part of me didn't want to watch anything he did if it wasn't a part of WWE because I wasn't upset with him. Clearly, it was just that it, it just bothered me so much. He, you know, they didn't treat him the right way. And I just the whole thing for me, I just always wanted him to be able to come home. I just wanted him to be able to come home, get the respect he deserves, get the opportunities he deserves and, you know, have that success. Like, honestly, I think what irritated me the most is how the hell did Jinder Mahal get a freaking WWE title run before Cody? Like that, like come the flip on because that run wasn't even believable. Like come the hell on. Um, But Cody himself put on a great match at WrestleMania. Oh my God, it was such a good match. And the commentary, like Corey on the commentary, like Byron and, you know, oh boy, they was all right. But Corey, he did the best with the commentary in regards to that match to me because he has so much history with his, you know, with their family. And I just, it was just so special. The moment was so special. Like I've been on a high this whole time. Um, and then, you know, when he came out on Raw that Monday, you know, told his story, I was just like, oh, my God, that's so But You know, I'm not an, an emotional person like that for people who know me personally. Like, I'm definitely, I know how to be sympathetic and empathetic, and I know I know how to feel for people, but I've never been just outwardly emotional. It's just not my thing. But, man, especially when people talk about, you know, losing somebody and, you know, just, you know, that... And especially because of how, you know, my family, like, I, I know how my family felt about Dusty. Like, you know, we were Dusty Rose fans in my house, too. Like, that was, man, like, I, that connection is there for me. So, um, man, <laughs> man, um, and then the fact that it's true, like, that, you know, the fact that he, you know, was just telling you a story about him and his dad, it, it was just beautiful. And then the the interaction with him himself, you know, shaking hands, and it's a sign of respect. And then over the course of weeks, you see the, the, the respect slowly, you know, dissipate. And to get here, I said, okay. I said, Cody is winning this. Like, I was 100% confident. I was telling people, I said, y'all better put some respect on Cody. He about to come out with the dub. Like, let's go. Like, you know, I was geeked. And, like, right before the pay-per-view came on, I want to say, like, maybe, like, an hour before the pay-per-view came on, I, I was saying, I said, I got a feeling they're going to be first. I was like, I got a feeling they're going to be first match. And sure enough, there was the first match. And I'm so glad they were. Like, that was definitely the, that was definitely the match that set the tone for the rest of the pay-per-view, in my opinion. And it was such a way to start off the pay-per-view. And I was, man, I was geeked. I was lit. I was ready. I, man, like I was, ooh, I was fired up. I put on my American Nightmare shirt and watched that. I was all in, no pun intended. And, um, man, this match was better than the first. I'm like, oh my God, this was such a great match. And, um, I know a few people have said, like, okay, this got to be the end of it. But honestly, um, I think the problem nowadays is that too many people just have this idea of what they feel something, how they feel something should go. And then they feel like that's just supposed to be how the business itself works. You know, especially if you grew up during, you know, the, you know, the golden age of wrestling or the attitude era or, you know, anything like that. Like 
you know that sometimes storylines the last six months, you know, maybe a year sometimes. And I mean, we've had, and especially now, like within the last like year or two, and even the last five years, we've had storylines the last of the year. And I just feel like in this case, I feel like people are extremely impatient and they don't want the storyline to drag out because they're just too excited for Cody to be back. And they just want him to be able to get that, um, that the, the top prize. And I mean, I get it. I do, but I feel like, I feel like this storyline might go on for about six months. Um, I would be okay if it ended at Hell in a Cell, which is the next pay-per-view. I would be okay with it ending at Hell in a Cell. Um, if it doesn't, I feel like that's okay too, as long as it's done properly. Um, I also like how during uh, during WrestleMania Backlash, they showed the trailer. Well, I don't, I don't know. Well, package. The package for Money in the Bank and the fact that Cody did the whole package for Money in the Bank freaking awesome great business decision by Vince amazing I loved it um man this was such a great match it was 20 minutes um and you know Seth realized he couldn't win you know he wasn't gonna beat on the right way so Seth tried to grab the tried to grab the the tights and you know get you know get the extra leverage on the pin Cody was able to reverse it Cody grabbed the tights you know and picked up the dub here's the thing any real pro wrestling fan will tell you, I don't care how big of a face somebody is. It is okay for a face to cheat, a baby face to cheat, if the heel did it first. The turnabout is always fair play. That's how the business has always worked. I need people to realize that. I'm sick of people thinking their opinions is how the business is supposed to be ran. Because you have so many people like, well, oh, I don't like this. And they shouldn't have did this because they're a baby face. No. Stop thinking your opinion is how the business is supposed to work. In some cases, yes, some people have very good points in their opinions. And it's like, oh, well, yeah, that should be how the business goes. But in just a general sense, a lot of people just say so just based off of how they wanted something to go or just because they're mad somebody didn't win or whatever. Please stop thinking that your opinions is supposed to be how this business is ran. Because a lot of these rules have been around since the beginning of the time. So just please stop with the nonsense. Overall, you know, taking out the two pay-per-views, the, the I said the two pay-per-views, Jesus Christ. The two matches from the pay-per-view, the Almost and Bobby Lashley and the Madcap and the Happy Corbin matches. Solid pay-per-view. Um, I, I can't wait for Hell in a Cell. Like, I'm kind of pissed. I'm not going to say kind of. I'm very annoyed that they keep switching these pay-per-views around. Because this is, what, the second or third year that Hell in a Cell has been in the freaking summer instead of the freaking fall. Because Hell in a Cell is usually, like, what, in freaking October? Like, September, October? So, what the hell is going on here? I, I'm i sick of this shit. And then Money in the Bank is now after Hell in a Cell. Like, this shit's just not making sense. I'm getting annoyed with it. Um, I want to touch on a few other things here. And, man... There is there's definitely a lot going on. So uh it's been a lot of stuff floating around on the on the net, as I like to say. Uh there's been a lot of things floating around on the net. So let's just cover a few things here. Um you know, after WrestleMania, and I forgot to bring this up last or maybe I did bring it up last time, I can't remember. Uh Mick Foley was, you know, felt some type of way. He was in his feelings. Let's say that he was in his feelings that the Undertaker didn't mention him in his Hall of Fame speech. Um, you know, he was quoted as saying that was a great speech, but I'm very surprised there was not one single mention. Oh, I'm sorry. 
his daughter said this. I'm sorry. His daughter said that it was a great speech and she was very surprised there was not one single mention of her dad and their leg, uh, legendary matches together. And she said, obviously, I understand it's difficult to fit everything into one speech and remember every single person you want to mention. She said, I just would have been it just would have been really nice to hear my dad's name mentioned. During the during the interview with Mick Foley, he said, well, listen, I forgot to mention my wife during my Hall of Fame speech. So I'm not the one to lecture anybody about who they should and should not include in their speech. Um he basically said that he wasn't there in those formative years and it was like, you know, you know, more about the friendship and support. They had a great rivalry. And he also mentioned how the undertaker didn't mention the rock or Austin either. And they had some classic matches, which is very true. So, um, I get, you know, as a kid, you know, wanting to protect your parent and stand up for your parent. Cause there's been plenty of times I felt that way in regards to, you know, my parents was like, I'm the parent, like, you know, um, I felt like this is where she should she should know your role, Noelle, know your role, and shut the mouth. I have no beef with Noelle. She's a very sweet girl from what I've seen when I watch the Holy Foley and everything. And, you know, when I see her on social media, you know, comment on the, you know, the, you know, the talents uh, posts and stuff. She seemed like a very sweet girl. But, I mean, like your dad said, it was, it was a few people he didn't mention that you would have expected him to mention. But, I mean baby girl i think you should have just stayed out of this one so moving forward that was that was one that kind of irritated my soul a little bit because it's like girl things happen is it is what it is like let it go boo um as you guys know on a different note um Stu grayson from aw apparently uh contract was up he wasn't able to reach a deal after his contract expired apparently they're supposed to be keeping the door open for him but i just want to touch on this i'm so sick of people trying to act like tony khan is this just like savior to wrestling and that AEW is so much better than wwe AEW is just nothing but a low rent wannabe WWE and the fact that they have to always take cheap shots at WWE just lets us know how pressed they are to be relevant because if it was really just about the business and you was really just trying to he keeps saying oh I want the company and the talent and you know to speak for itself okay if you wanted to speak for itself then how about you take control of your company And you talk to your EVPs and tell them like, okay, all of this is not necessary. We need to cut this out. Like, okay, there's like, you know, WWE throw shots here and there too, but it's not nowhere near as often as AEW does it. And it's usually after AEW done said something that was just like too far-fetched or just too out of the way. Um, But it's just AEW has a lot of terrible matches they their booking has been bad when they first started off they had a lot of good booking and their booking is just terrible now and it's extremely hard i can understand to some degree why their booking is messed up because you're working one two days a week depending on what show you're on some people do was it rant what is it called rampage i don't even know what the hell the show is called rampage and what's the other one uh what's the other well maybe it is just rampage i don't know i thought one came on wednesdays and one come on friday i don't know i don't really watch it so i don't know i just catch clips on the internet here and there and you know just kind of you know just kind of yeah i just honestly just watch watch it on the internet here and there and you know see what's going on um but 
it's just it's just funny how people just talk about how WWE fires people like oh they release this person they release all these people like how is it okay like y'all sitting here mad at Vince is releasing people but you're not saying boo diggity about Tony Khan just letting people contracts expire and just not trying to renew them that's way worse than just firing somebody that's way worse than calling somebody and telling them, okay, we got to let you go. So I got to sit here and think that, okay, it's all good in the hood and my contract to be renewed. And instead, you just let my contract expire and just like, well, okay, I don't want to renew it. You telling me that's better? Ridiculous. Y'all, y'all need to go on with that. Y'all just need to go on with that. I honestly feel why I honestly feel like Cody's, you know, the near the end of his run with AEW. I feel like his character just didn't fit there. His character is definitely more WWE based. I also wish people would stop saying, oh, like JR said it, and which really pisses me off because I've always loved good old JR. He said that he, you know, he was just like, well, shit, I don't care who's next. And oh, like, you know, it's okay because everything is AEW based. No, the hell is not that music aw did not make that music cody had that music as soon as he went to the independence cody has had that music since 2000 what 15 16 whenever he left ww i always get it mixed up he has had that music since he hit the independence and he done had that music on the independence when he was in new japan then he brought it to AEW. Stop asking like that is AEW. Now that costume itself, well, I don't want to say costume, but the like the gear with the you know the colonial jacket, and it is based on a colonial soldier. I don't know why you guys keep calling it the Highlander jacket. Like I'm really starting to think you people didn't do well in school because that's clearly based on a colonial soldier. But whatever. Um, I like the I like the uh, I like the gear. The gear is AEW based. He came up with that while he was in AEW. But the American Nightmare, the Kingdom, you know, well, let me see for people who don't get it. The American Nightmare name, he started using that as soon as he got on. Well, not as soon, but pretty much when he got on the independence, mainly like right when he was going to New Japan. And Kingdom, the music had that, you know, as soon as he got on the independence. So please stop making it seem like the whole package is AEW because it is not. So let's say that. Um, Tony Khan is just, he's trying too hard in my opinion. Cause it's like, you just, you trying to be Captain Save a Ho and trying to make it seem like you just so much better than WWE. And honestly, you're not like, okay, so what you bought Ring of Honor? Who cares? Who cares? Like, yes, it was a cool thing. Let's be honest. It was certainly cool, but Look how you already effed up. Why did you need a ROH Women's Champion and then an a interim RH Women's Champion? Just stupid. Just stupid. This was just as bad as him with the whole Cody being the TNT Champion. And then, was it Sammy Guevara, I believe, was the interim TNT Champion? Cody was gone for two weeks with COVID. Why did you need an interim? Just stupid booking. Just stupid booking. Like I said, yes, it is cool that he brought RH, especially since it seemed like they, you know, had kind of maybe started falling on hard times. Okay, yes, you got to deal with New Japan, and now, you know, you got you got to be able to share talent. That's cool and everything, but here's the thing, though. As much as they talk about how, you know, New Japan doesn't really care too much when American wrestlers come over there because it's a language barrier and all this and that, and they don't usually like their style because it's not usually strong style and all that, you're going to have the same exact issue we don't speak japanese yes you have plenty of people over here to speak japanese but guess what there's going to be a language barrier sweetheart 
a lot of people are a lot of people like the okay let me say it like this i could care less about the the language barrier i can i can figure it out what they saying. i don't care if i gotta put the google translate up to the tv i can figure out what they're gonna say what they saying that i could care less about the language barrier that has that that makes no difference to me i'm okay with the language barrier the talent is was big for me because i've watched new japan and even without knowing what they really be talking about i'm like dang it's getting hot like you know but my issue is you don't have the talent at AEW to make New Japan talent look good. New Japan has some beasts, okay? New Japan, a lot of people sleep on New Japan. And honestly, I'm not making it seem like I'm a New Japan expert. But again, my brother was always into it and he will always talk to me about it. And I've, I watched a lot of stuff. Like, I like Okada. Um, I like Ibushi. Uh, I always say the other guy's name wrong. Oh my gosh. Uh, t- uh oh, I don't even want to say it. I don't want to say it. I ain't gonna mess it up. I ain't gonna mess it up. <laughs> but Tennessee Hirashi, I'm not gonna mess it up. I don't want to butcher his name. But they have a lot of great talent in New Japan. AEW does not have the level of talent to help make them stars. They don't have enough high level talent. This is where it becomes a catch-22. WWE is more suited for that situation. Do I think they'll ever do it? No, I don't. Would it be nice? Yes, but I can also understand why Vince doesn't do it. Um, I'm not saying it's a right or wrong decision. I mean, when you own a business, you can do whatever you want. Um, That's one of those things. It's a double-edged sword because it's like, if, if Vince would have been willing to do it, it would have been great. Would have been awesome because they have more of the high level talent in the business. Like even people who don't come off like high level talent, like sometimes you could tell by watching their matches, like, yeah, they could probably put on a really good match if they got, you know, more time or if they got, you know, better opportunity. WWE has more of the high level talent that would help put over new Japan wrestlers will help put them over to an American audience. Um, and AEW just doesn't have that um, as much as, you know, they they just don't have it. They have a few people that's like high level talent, but um, they oh, just they don't have enough high level talent. Just having a handful of high level talent is not good enough. Um, AEW hires way too many people, especially for you to only be on TV like what, maybe once or twice a week. You have too many people on the roster. It's too hard to follow what's going on. You you know, it's hard for them to do storylines because you might not see this person for three or four weeks because you need to help rotate it, let make sure these other people get TV time. It's just too much of a mess. Just too much of a mess. So we'll just go on for that. Um Tyson Kidd also recently uh made a comment about NXT. And I'll I'll read the comment. Uh, Tyson Kidd said, NXT feels like it's going back to being developmental. It's still its own brand, but it has more of a developmental feel as compared to a couple years ago where it was super indie with the WWE production. It was awesome. I 100% agree with him. And that was also a quote from him being on the Dropkick podcast. Um, I 100% agree with uh, TJ on that because it is starting to feel like developmental again. But to a degree, you kind of have it kind of in a sense had no choice but to go that way because everybody either started moving up to the main roster or just left. So you just getting all these people that either don't have the real experience or 
you know, they're, uh, you know, they, you know, have a little bit of experience, but now they're coming to WWE and need to be built up on that WWE level. So it's like, it's, it's really hard. I, I, I get that, but it, I will a hundred percent give him that it is way more developmental than it was just a few years ago. And it honestly sucks. Cause I have no urge to watch NXT now. Like I haven't had the urge to watch NXT in a while, like a long time, like, Every now and then, if I see something to catch my interest, I'll be like, oh, yeah, like, let me go ahead and check this out and see, you know, see uh, when so-and-so match going to be on. But for the most part, I have no desire to watch it. I keep up with certain things here and there on NXT, but, you know, that's that's just really pretty much it, just certain things, not just the overall anymore. Um, so they definitely need to fix that and get that back popping because NXT was a lituation for a very long time. Um, also, as of recently, um, as you guys know, Randy Orton made a comment about he had, you know, he's been in the ring with NXT guys. And as he stated, they don't know what the F they're doing. Uh, Road Dog recently responded to that. And it was on the Oh, You Didn't Know podcast. He said... I don't disagree with him at all. For him to say they don't know what they're doing, I guess you can say that. And he's right to an extent. But they know what they're doing. They just don't do it perfectly yet. And I don't expect them to. So I totally understand where Randy is coming from. I think Randy is correct. But sometimes guys go up there really early and never worked anywhere before. And some guys started during the pandemic and never worked in front of a live crowd. I 100% agree with both aspects of it because Randy's a performer. So, you know, he's all about how everything is done, especially on the level that he's been on, you know, his whole career and especially now. And, you know, uh, just one thing I've always heard heard everybody say, um, especially if you watch the Broken Skulls, uh, Broken Skulls podcast, you know, a lot of people said in their interviews, you know, it's always hard to work with people who are green. Um, and it seems like the only time it kind of goes well is when the, the veteran tells the person like, Hey, just listen to me, kid. Uh, but I agree with both of them. I understand where Randy's coming from. Cause you can tell a lot of them don't know what they're doing, but with road dog, he also made a good point. You know, a lot of them is just, you know, they just, it needs to, they need time to perfect it. You know, some people are fast learners, some people are slow learners, but both of them definitely made a good point for sure. So, um, I'll def, I'll definitely say that. Now, uh, one thing I really, really want to talk about is, uh, as of recently, Ember Moon did an interview and she spoke about, she spoke about, um, you know, this meet, you know, these creative meetings with WWE and all this. So basically Ember, uh, right before she left, she started saying how, uh, they had these meetings in NXT with WWE saying, you know, like, oh, you know, you need to dress more sexy and more revealing like Mandy Rose. And she was talking about how they offer her like five times what she was making already. And she, you know, she was like, oh, this is life changing money. But she just, she got sick of hearing like, oh, you guys need to dress sexier and all this. And, and honestly, I get where she's coming from as far as the not wanting to change her look, especially when you know what works for you, because sexy doesn't work for everybody. Just like everybody don't look right being skinny. That's why I hate when people lose weight and try to get real, real skinny. Like, okay, lose weight and get to a decent size. I hate when everybody try to be super skinny because everybody don't look right super skinny. So it's one of those situations where just do what works for you. 
So to a degree, I got where she was coming from. Okay, I got the gist of what she was saying. How about that? Booker T recently commented on it and say, said, I don't know. I ain't one of those type of people that when I leave a company, I try to leave all those stories behind. I try not to talk. Uh, I, uh, I try not to think about the negative part or anything like that. Oh, uh, I cannot talk today. One thing I do know is that Athena was given an opportunity in WWE after trying on several occasions. Didn't make it, didn't make it, and then finally she had the right stuff and they brought her in. Athena had claimed that WWE wanted uh, women to dress more like Mandy Rose, but Booker T didn't know why she mentioned her by name. I certainly agree with Booker T. I feel like that was sketchy as hell for Ember to mention Mandy. Like, she's not the one sitting here telling them this. So why are you throwing her under the bus? Like, that's her look. Everybody knows that's always been her thing since she came to WWE. So why are you sitting here making it seem like it's her fault or something? I certainly did not like that. I didn't respect that. And the main thing that irritates me with people is that, you know, you decided not, like, you you sat here, you decided to feel some type of way about it and talk negative. I get that being fired from somewhere is always embarrassing because even where I've worked at places and people have gotten fired and they lie like, oh, yeah, I didn't get fired. You know, I quit or, oh, well, they fired me because it is because people just be too embarrassed to say the truth. And honestly, I feel like if you really want to come back, you shouldn't talk negative. Granted, there is a lot of people who have talked negative about the company and have been brought back. But here's the problem. You never know if you one of those people that's going to be brought back. A lot of times people are brought back because Vince decided like, okay, you know what? You know, maybe I played a part in this. You know, maybe it shouldn't have went out like this. And, you know, he comes to terms with the person. They apologize to each other and they get past it. In some cases, it's still, Vince is a businessman. If he see you can bring in money, of course he'll be willing to hire you back. But if they didn't see you as an asset to keep to begin with, and you think you might want to come back maybe you don't need to be talking negative about the company and ember like ember was great she had and she had a lot of potential to get even better but i sincerely think that that was the wrong play for her to do um uh, Booker T also pointed out that she had an Achilles injury, injury, which she did, and WWE paid for it. You know that if they can, if they can track the injury to, you know, being on the job, they will pay for it, which they did, and that's an expensive surgery. Like I've played sports my whole life, and I mean I've had plenty of injuries. I know, I mean surgery in general is expensive, but when you get into all that specialized stuff and all that delicate stuff, that's extremely expensive. So. For her to have been out and they took care of her, you know, took care of her basically and stuff and paid for the surgery, I think that was pretty messed up for her to say. Um, that's, yeah, she probably stabbed, she probably stabbed herself in the foot with that one. It, no, it's shot herself in the foot, right? I think that's the saying. So I definitely feel like she should have, um, I definitely feel like she probably should have kept her mouth shut on that one. Um, that's, uh I don't know. Yeah, that's just she shot herself in the foot. Um also too during um during a podcast Tony Khan uh opened up about um opened up about some of the challenges for AW Dark and AW Elevation and uh all that. He said I think a big thing right now is that we have so many great stars that there's only three hours of T V time at AEW. So it's a challenge. But I think we use each other uh we use other great outlets at our disposal like AEW Dark and AEW Ev uh, Elevation. 
I don't know why I said evolution. AW Elevation, which are great shows. With that being said, Khan doesn't want fans to undermine AW Dark. But it's just like you basically putting the people on AW Dark who you feel like not this you know, you trying to see if they even worth keeping or if you just you just feel like they're not ready for TV. So, I mean, either way, I feel like he really setting people up to fail to a degree. And I just still think it's amazing that he does that. And people are still think that, you know, he's just the savior. Uh, one of the last things I want to touch on, Thunder Rosa had the audacity to say that her and Britt Baker's rivalry was like austin stone cold's rivalry she is smoking that stuff because girlfriend y'all ain't nowhere near that everybody wanted to have their pennies in a bunch over becky lynch saying that aw females division is basically nowhere near their level she well she didn't say that she said they're not represented the same way they don't get you know the they don't get the same amount of time they do and becky was 100 percent right becky lynch said nothing wrong whatsoever everything she said was exactly right AEW has a couple of female talents that's great, you know, but most of their talent still needs a lot of polishing, needs a lot of in-ring, you know, experience and everything. So um, I'm with Becky on this one, 100%. But Thunder Rosa saying that her and Britt Baker's rivalry was like Austin Rock. That girl done lost her flipping mind. Talk about every match they did that escalated to the next level. And, uh... I just, <laughs> and then when she said it was kind of similar to Trish and Lita, like, baby girl, neither one of y'all got the talent that Rock or Austin had or the Trish and Lita had. So I think you need to retract that statement, baby girl, and let that go because neither one of those are right. Um, also, we don't really have time to talk about it, but Kota Abushi alleges that there's abuse inside New Japan Wrestling and that he's ready to leave. That story is still developing, so we don't have much on that at the time. But also, supposedly, and I believe this is accurate based off of some other numbers, uh, apparently Cody Rose's deal at WWE is a $4 million deal. So, I mean, pfft. If if that's true, which honestly I believe it is, just based off of some of the other people, because I know AJ gets like three million or like three and a half million, but I know Roman gets like five million a year, so that seems about right that Cody would get four. So I mean, hey, I'm all for it. I'm happy for him. I'm still on a high from him being back in WWE. Uh, I cannot talk. I'm so excited. I'm still so happy about him being back in WWE because this is where he belonged in the first place, and. Oh my gosh. I just, oh my God, I'm so excited. Oh, um, but man, I feel like this is the best thing that ever happened. I'm just happy that everything is coming full circle. I always had faith that Cody would be back and is, you know, I, I won't say I lost faith at one point, but at one point I was like, damn, Cody, like come to F on, like, <laughs> I said, you can't keep doing this. Like, you got to come back. Like, for like for a while, I started getting kind of angry. Like, you know, I felt like he was dragging it out. But super happy he's back. You know, has a daughter now. Beautiful little girl. You know, beautiful wife. Brandy's gorgeous. Um, and I wish people would stop talking bad about Brandy. Uh, we'll probably cover a little bit of that in the next episode, too. Because it's just been a lot of wild stuff that I've heard. And I just wish people would stop disrespecting her. Um, and in in a, in a uh, as an extension, disrespecting him because they are married. So I just wish uh people would be more uh considerate about speaking, you know, about when it comes to speaking uh, about her. But 
Overall, you guys, I'm excited to see what happens next. You know, clearly it's going to be a Rollins versus Rose part three. I'm ready to see what happens. So, you guys, that is it for now. This was On the Mat and in the Ring with Coco. I'm Coco, and I'll see you guys next time.